Hello, all. Welcome to the Lunar Ceasefire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 398, and today we'll be talking about sense and insensitivity from the Owl House. I'm GC13. And I'm Soren. So we've uh, we've come to uh, uh, one of the many episodes that this might be one of my favorite episodes of season one. I don't know what it is about it. I just love it. The A-plot is fantastic. The massive, not-so-subtle satire of the writing industry? Um, actually, no. I, I, it's just the image of King and his jacket with his <laughs> disgusting scarf that a fan made out of their own hair with the glasses. I love Pignette's design. I love Pignette's demeanor. I love the way King rebels against Luz's story. I just, I just love it. Who is Pignette? The, uh, his publisher's representative. The lizard with three eyes who reads the stories. Oh, okay. That's right. Pignette. That's right. What's the, the nose girl's name? I think they mention it, like, in the second season. Uh, Tanarella Nosa. Nosa. Great. I believe. Hilarious that she is voiced by Noelle Stevenson. No. By the other one. You're my inspiration. <laughs> what is the name of the- Dana Terrace. Voiced by Dana Terrace. Um, too many queens writing the good cartoons right now. I'm getting them mixed up. Um, yeah, voiced by Dana Terrace. Uh, and is just this, like, really adorable, endearing little side character that just pops up every once in a while. And every time that she's on screen, I'm having a good time. She's just so funny <laughs> and adorable. Yes, yes, she is. I wish we had known what her story was about. I mean, I know Pinette really loved it, and I loved her. Pew, pew! She, mm-hmm. She's practicing her finger guns already. She's so adorable, but mm, missed opportunities, am I right? Yeah, I enjoy... I, I liked a lot about their brainstorming. I also liked the little B-plot of um, <laughs> Ida and Lilith. and Lilith. Oh, woe are us who have been... uh. What was it? Entrapped or ensnared? Scammed. Well, one to us who are about to kick your butt, basically. Yep. That was good. That was very good. I don't know what that guy was expecting to happen. Like, Ida and Lilith both have reputations. I'm going to entrap the, the head of the Emperor's Coven and her sister, someone who's so big and powerful that she has a one trillion snail bounty on most versions of the poster we see. And then I'm going to fight them both at once, and this is going to be easy because I'm a villain and we plan very far ahead. Yeah, and then he just got ruthlessly, mercilessly murdered. He won. He won so much he got tired of winning, so we let him have one today. That's what (laughs) happened. Yeah, I very much enjoy the early season relationship between Ida and Lilith, because they clearly had, like, a very nasty falling out. But Lily is trying to, like pretend she knows what's best for Ida, and I guess to a degree what she does think is best for Ida, because the Emperor saying that he can heal her curse. Yeah. But also to absolve her own guilt, and you can kind of like see that in the way that she talks and the way that she interacts with Ida. Yeah, she really wants to make good on that curse, doesn't she? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, and and I enjoy that. That's a very interesting dynamic that they have with these characters and i also enjoy that ida just like thinks that her sister is just in a weird emperor's coven phase which i suppose (laughs) in the end it was it's not a phase mom (laughs) like oh she'll get over it and join my crazy witch side but let her take her time on that (sighs) 
Now, you see, if she had led with the banisters, I think she could have got her. Banisters. Deadwardian banisters. That's Gets right. Her every time. The historical stuff. Yeah, that's the newer episodes. We can get to those later. Long, far in the future. Yeah, God. Um, you know the the a plot. Everything just goes so fast, and I I guess it's all part of the satire that they're able to write an entire book over the course of less than a day, and then the publisher expects, oh yeah, it's been like. It's been at least 24 hours. Where's your second manuscript, dude? <laughs> like, he, he becomes a, literally an overnight sensation. And to sate this public, we need another book. Stat. Should have should have dressed him up in the tiny doctor's outfit back in Escape of the Palisman. I mean, the best way to build up a good fan following is with a little bit of anticipation. Obviously, you can go too far. Lord knows Steven Universe did. Um, and... <laughs> Gravity Falls, they both had infamously long hiatuses and unpredictable ones. I think King's publisher knows what they're doing. I mean, you saw what Scar, she came back for the King cutout. It's true. Um, I would have a King cutout. I would own one of those. Let's see here. Who would I own a cutout of? From the Owl House. Yeah, from the Owl House. I don't know, like, if we're talking about the newest episodes, Darius is kind of my guy right now. He's, I'm getting major spirit animal vibes off of him, so. Darius, the Abomination Coven leader, yeah, he's really cool. But from earlier episodes, I don't know, I think Bump deserves it. Bump? Principal Bump? Yeah. He ends up being a cool principal in the end. Yeah, <laughs> completely and entirely apathetic, for the most part. I mean, sinister, but he's cool. Oh, yeah. I'm just waiting for them to come up with an Albert plushie. Ooh. I mean, he's made of wood, so uh, shouldn't we get an old-fashioned toy? Yeah, but, like, the other characters in the story aren't... Their plushies aren't made of flesh, so... Well, that's because that's cost-prohibitive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe, like, a little keychain of Albert, but I would also like a plushie. Hmm. Or a king plushie. He would be perfect for Build-A-Bear. Oh, dual keychains where you have the staff and Albert and you can lock them together. Yeah. Yeah, and the staff is like telescoping. Engineer that, guys. That would be cool. Disney, if you do this, I want royalties. You can afford it. <laughs> like, other than the unrealistic, like comedically unrealistic timetable on Rulers Reach's popularity, which I don't know, I guess lends part of the vibe. Oh. I want a people chair, too. A people chair? Yeah, where uh, John DePlume can just fall over and fans will form a chair for him. Yeah, not, not, not good for long-term use, but it does sound fun in the moment. The Dark Order in All Elite Wrestling used to have a people chair. Uh, they got rid of that when they got rid of the Creepers, unfortunately, but sacrifices had to be made. Yeah. Oh my god, so I just, I just cut to a part in the episode, the part where he steps on one of the artist cubes. Is <laughs> there's another shot later where he's like flattened on the ground? Yeah, that was really good. I only just caught that. I'm still alive, but badly hurt. Yeah, it's very very funny. I enjoyed I, that. I like how they didn't have the writer revolt be what solved the problem. I like how Nose Girl was able to break back there uh, with nothing but her brute strength, no blasting power at all, and. uh He's like, oh, if I read your story, will you go away? And then he ends up loving it and releasing them from their contract, which I guess 
King had already taken care of with his disturbingly good scarf lasso skills? You know. Well, have you ever lassoed a scarf made of hair? Yeah, that's true. I've never had a fan knit me a scarf out of their own hair. Uh, nor do I have a P.O. box to receive one at anyway. <laughs> hmm. Just send it to Texas, they'll find you. <laughs> yeah. How many voices in the show are Alex Hirsch? Like, I know King... Like, if we were to just write it down by number of characters, not by screen time, if you were to tell me it was, like, 30%, I would I would not even check. I would, I would say doubt enough to check. up to 50% of the extras are voiced by Alex Hirsch. She got away with it, everybody! Yeah. <laughs> Dude's just got the range. Away! Yeah, it's funny, the show is like, okay, we need some more extra voice actors, and Alex Hirsch is like, I'm right here. Unnecessary. Yeah. I got it. Uh, heck, actually, come to think of it, the I I'm assuming that once Pinette puts them in that box, he's assuming that they're dead. But why bother putting Luz in there if he doesn't think? Eh, maybe I get a story out of this because like he gives them like an hour tops to like. There's there's no way they would not have been dead within an hour or cubed in an hour. I should say. If, uh, and he thinks that them starting from nothing is going to get him something. Mm, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, Luz says that contributes to burnout and unrealistic expectations. And that is a very unrealistic expectation he has, so <laughs> truth in text. Yeah, very convenient that Luz had her little manuscript in her bag or mm -hmm. jacket or whatever. The, the one with the uh, Ocarina of Time hearts on it, or Legend of Zelda, I should say. I love that, by the way. I liked her little bit. It's like, don't you dare bash shipping. It can't all be shipping. Like, this comes from a show of people who both hate shipping culture and are also active participants it like of it. <laughs> it's like, not just, not just feeding it in their show. Like, you know they're looking at ship art in the shows that they watch on their off time and they're contributing to it. Like, I've seen creators of these cartoon shows draw ship art of other shows. Like, half the Steven Universe cast was drawing bubbly while it was coming out. <laughs> I, I, this is the first I've heard, though, that the creators of the Owl House do not like shipping. Like, where is this coming from? I wouldn't say that they don't like it. I think there's always critique to be had about shipping culture as a whole, which is completely and entirely valid, by the way. Where the show is like, yes, shipping is fun, but it should stay that way. If you are not having fun... With shipping, you are doing it wrong. Oh, kind of idea. ship wars. Yeah, that'll yes. do it. Oh my god, the Steven Universe ship wars were absolutely insanity. Now you see, see, I, I'm a Steven Universe super fan, and I have no idea about any shipping wars, because I do not get involved in that portion of the fandom. That was the, the correct decision. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of people who you think are cool and engage in media in healthy ways suddenly... <laughs> Uh, show their true colors when so-and-so happens in a show and they disapprove of it. I mean, I was a little disappointed that Lars and Sadie broke up off-screen. Like, I, I understand it's realistic, but, like, you're writing a story. It has to feel narratively satisfying. And, okay. I think maybe they intended to do more with Lars and Sadie, but the show was just going in such a completely different direction that they didn't really have the opportunity for it. I mean, at least we got an episode explaining what happened. I, I'm yeah. very, very sad, though, that Sadie Killer and the suspects also broke up off screen. I'm actually even more heartbroken about that, to be honest, uh, because they 
they actually put a lot into both subjects. Um, maybe. I don't know. Steven Universe towards the end was just not having filler episodes. Like, they were just plot, 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 plot. They they did not have the liberty. (laughs) They did not have the luxury of filler episodes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I loved uh, I loved Sense and Insensitivity. The the A plot, uh, the B plot, it was again very fun ending, and I, I like to see Ida and Lilith having their sisterly bonding. Yes, wasn't that guy so nice to invite them out? Yeah, I like how they both have the I don't know what to call it the like sideburn hair tassels that go in front of <laughs> the ears. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Even after Lilith styled and dyed her hair away from her natural color, they still have those little little tassels. And I just want to say this about the Emperor's Coven. You know how they, they talk about, oh, you have to be pretty pretty awesome to join the Emperor's Coven. Well, we get to meet the legend himself, Steve, today. Now, I don't want anyone to think that Steve is just a chump in the Emperor's Coven. Like, as far as the scouts are concerned, Steve is the best of the best. You hear me? But We've seen that maybe the scouts aren't the brightest, and, you know, upon being patted on the head by Lilith, his response was also to exclaim how happy he was to get shoulder pats. So, again, the brightest aren't that bright. Yeah, all of the security guards, the, like, faceless security guards for the Emperor, like, the city guards and then the bird-looking ones, the scouts... First of all, all voiced by Alex Hirsch. Um, <laughs> and then I think Alex Hirsch just can't voice a character that's taken 100% seriously. It's just not in his nature. He's just got to crack those jokes. But they all have just like an air of incompetence about them, which is very funny to me anyway. To be fair, I think, uh, I think Ida made the right choice on, uh, on Coven's. I don't know what they put in the water at the Emperor's Coven. But like, if uh, if it was revealed that Hepatitis Lilith B. only drank bottled water, and that's why she's still okay, I would believe it. Who knows? Remains to be seen. Anyway, guys, that's it for us on Sense and Insensitivity. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm Soren. Leave us a comment on thelunarceasefire.com. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com. <laughs>